Welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review. Our several-year mission will be to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. We will be reviewing every Star Trek comic book ever published. These stories have been released by Gold Key, Marvel, DC, Malibu, Wildstorm, Tokyo Press, IDW, and others. Star Trek and all that the Star Trek universe contains is copyrighted by CBS Studios, Inc. Hello and welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review. With Donovan and Ken. Episode number 194, recorded February 14th, 2015. Happy Valentine's Day. So today we finish off the Star Trek Next Generation Killing Shadow miniseries. Cool. An action-packed miniseries it is. Yes, this comic book series, more than any other ones that we've read in, in a very, very long time, Really feels like a comic book story, not necessarily a Star Trek story told in a comic book medium. Right. If that makes any sense. Well, kind of. A lot of conflict, a lot of battles. Um, yeah, that does make sense. Right. A lot of just comic booky logic, you know, <laughs> as far as how, how things are moving. And Well, but I got to say, and we'll get in more into this later, of course, as always, but... Some of the things they're they're talking about are a little sophisticated and a little hard to follow, I mean, from a philosophical standpoint. So you really got to read parts of it, especially towards the end, I think, to really understand what they're trying to say. So, Right, and I think that uh, it is possible that we might have two different points of view as far as what, what some of their motivations were at certain times. So I'm... Yeah. Curious to see how how some of that comes out. Well, definitely there are parts of this story where you're like, this makes no sense. And then, like, the next issue will go ahead and kind of, like, go back in time a little bit and show you what happened from another set of characters' point of view. And it's like, okay, that kind of makes it make more sense. But, yeah. They they do do a lot of things that are expeditious to keep the story going in a certain direction. That right. doesn't always make sense. Agree there. Right. And, I mean, there's nothing wrong with leaving things open to interpretation as far as, you know, one once page you're here, the next page you're there, and then you, the reader, has to fill in how they got to that, uh, to that next event. But right. uh, sometimes I think that that leads things to kind of like a – confusing story so right if, if you're if your conclusion as to how they got from point a to point b doesn't match up and then later you found out that point c is happening and it contradicts what you thought was happening it, it gets a little confusing and cumbersome but yeah. uh agreed yeah it always works better if you leave things out that you, that the reader's knee-jerk reaction is something that makes sense <laughs> as opposed to the way you set it up and the way you skip something and the way you picked up later the knee-jerk reaction is, ooh, scratching the head. That's not right. good. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, there, and a few of those things happened, in, and I'm sure we'll talk about it later. Oh, yes. I know. I've got a few to talk about. Okay. Well. Let's get, let's get on with the stories. Find out what these killing shadows are all about. All right. All right. Well, the first one I'll be going over today is The Killing Shadows number two. It is entitled The Hunted. It came out December of 2000. The writer was Scott Sillian. Penciler is Andrew Curry. 
inker is Digital Chameleon. Letterer, Nagmia Zand. Colorist, Digital Chameleon. And editor is Jeff Marriott. So the uh, cover shows a montage of the following images. Picard in his first contact uniform holding a phaser rifle. Sela in a skin-tight black jumpsuit holding a spear. Worf holding a batleth over his head and wearing a caped gladiator outfit. And a headshot of Riker. The story starts on the planet Nidorus, where Picard and Sela are surrounded by the space ninjas known as the Bodai Shin. Picard is wielding a chain while Sela has her spear. Picard does not want to use his phaser for fear of hitting some of the locals trying to flee from the melee. During the fight, the Bodai Shin somehow get into Picard's mind, and they have him start to question the motives of the mysterious attackers. They have him worry that perhaps he and the Enterprise was the target all along, and now that they have him, they will destroy the entire planet in order to kill him. Soon, all the bystanders are gone, and Picard starts to open up with the phaser. Quickly, the Bodai Shin vanish in a transporter beam. Picard rushes down the street, yelling that he knows where they're going next. In orbit, the Enterprise-E's systems are going down, and they seem to be in a greenish swirl of energy known as the Void. Or at least that's what the uh, monitor is showing them. Jordy says that it is a techno-plague installed by some of the Bodai Shin that are on board. They all hear the scream of Troy, but only Riker can feel it. Unable to help his Imzadi, Riker tries to regain control of the ship as he gets reports of crewmen being beamed out into space. Riker seems helpless in every sense of the word. Elsewhere on the ship, Troy senses a cloaked Bodai Shin near her. She starts to talk to him, and then the alien shape starts to talk back. He tells her that she will tell him what he needs to know about all the others. On the planet, Data and Worf are still engaged in a fight with the Bodai Shin warriors. Data has activated his emotion chip and feels nothing but rage and hatred towards the attackers. The Bodai Shin who's fighting Worf asks the Klingon who does he fight for and why. With that, he vanishes along with all the other space ninjas. Data states that he is picking up a distress call from the late no Dr. Norgi's lab. They now have their next destination. Elsewhere on the planet, Picard and Sela steal a hover car in order to get to Dr. Nogri's lab. Picard questions if he can trust this former enemy of his, since she had her own mother killed at the age of four for treason against the Romulan Empire. They soon arrive at the lab and find Worf and Data already there. As soon as they arrive, more Bodai Shin decloak. On the Enterprise, Riker leaves the bridge to find Troy. Soon, thoughts that are not his own start to creep into his head. The voice tells him that he's like a child fighting something that he knows nothing of, and incorrectly thinking that he can win. To that, Riker says aloud, we'll see. On the bridge, Geordi is working on the cyber plague that has infused itself in all electronics on the ship, when suddenly his own optic implants are infected and shut off. The voice then enters his head, stating that he has relied too much on technology, and soon he will die along with his captain. 
On the planet, another battle ensues between Picard, Sela, Worf, Data against another wave of Bodai Shin. Picard is distracted at times, wondering if Sela can be trusted. Enough so much that Sela notices this and tells him to focus on the fight, or they will all die. Picard then thinks that perhaps Sela is only there to steal this transporter tech that Dr. Noguri was working on, the ability to transport an entire planet. With that in mind, he breaks off the attack and he heads towards the computer terminal to get the data before anybody else can. Lieutenant Commander Data sees this and rushes to his captain, fearing that the man might try to use the super transporter to destroy the planet in order to destroy the Bodai Shin. Back on the Enterprise, Troy is still being taunted by the Bodai Shin, who wants her to betray her friends. Suddenly and out of nowhere, Troy kicks the ninja in the face and knocks him to the floor. As the ninja's getting up, Troy removes his cloaking device from his suit and kicks him again, knocking the ninja out cold. Riker then arrives and is pleased to see that she's unharmed. On the planet, Picard is actually activating the transporter device. He states that the Bodai Shin claimed that it would destroy the planet, yet when he activates it, nothing happens. The Bodai Shin seem surprised as well, and then they retreat. Picard said the Bodai Shin must have lied about either their motives or the true use of the device. In two separate places, at the same time, both he and Troy come to the same conclusion. The Bodai Shin are testing the beliefs and ideals held by the Federation, believing that they are its weakness. They will now need to stop being the hunted and start being the hunters. To be continued. Turn about the situation if they're successful. Very right. So I had a real hard time understanding what Picard was thinking and doing when he stops fighting and runs up to the computer terminal. Uh, right. Is my he, was my uh, synopsis right, or was I mistaken in, in what, is, what he was doing? Well, yeah. Yeah, so he was actually activating the device, proving his suspicions. But it was a pretty gutsy move. You had to be pretty sure of what he, what he thought. So he thought that it, it was a... It wouldn't destroy the planet. He was he was calling their bluff. Yes. Okay. Don't, don't you think? No. Yeah, I didn't know. I mean, at first I thought he was just trying to get the device. That's what I... Well, yeah. That's what I thought, too. But then or Data's he like, was don't, trying to don't disable it. Right. Yeah. He was trying to... I thought he was trying to disable to make sure it never could go on. But and I Data think that's does, what they led you to believe. Yeah, but then, but then Data tells him not to do it because... Right. But he, you don't know what he's doing. And then Data's saying, don't do it because you could, just, you could kill everybody. Exactly. Because Data was not convinced. He did not have the convictions of Picard that it was BS. Yeah, but still, was Picard trying to deactivate it or was he always going to activate it? I think he was going to activate it. Because somehow, just, I don't know how he figured it out, but somehow he, he thought it was a test of them. And he called their bluff. The only thing is, I don't, I did not get where along the way he figured that out. Right, right. You know, in a good detective thing, there's, there's some little thing, uh, you didn't tie your, you didn't tie your shoe quite right, or some kind of tip off that you know 
things are a certain way. But I don't remember seeing a tip-off here. If there was a tip-off here that, that, that drove Picard's decision that they did show us, I didn't see it. Right. <clears throat> right. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you. I was – I just thought that was out of the blue and then that data just assumed that he was going to try to kill everybody. Right. And, and, and he did just blindly turn it on. Uh, that really seemed out of character, and, and there was never any explanation as to why he did it. Well, apparently his beliefs, which the, this story arc is all about beliefs, was strong enough in his own assessment of the situation that he he called the bluff. Right. But was it the bluff of the Bodai Shin, or was it the bluff of Dr. Nogri? Because I thought it was no. Dr. Nogri was the one that was saying that this transporter had the power to... To teleport a whole planet. Last issue. Well, you know, quite frankly, yes, he did. Well, he said that's what his work was was trying to achieve. But I don't think he ever got to the point of saying how far along he was in his research. Was he able to transport a city or a, a group of five people? I mean, or an entire planet? I don't think no, Noguri ever said how far along he got. And how it jumped from the point of just transporting maybe as much as a planet from one place to the other, I missed the part where it turned into, oh, it's going to destroy the planet. Right. I, I missed that part. Yeah, it wasn't there. Oh, okay, okay, good. It's not just me. Because <laughs> I, I, I reread multiple parts of, of these books when I was like, what? And um, I still didn't see it when I went back looking for it. But I, I, I admit I could have missed it. Okay, good. So it wasn't there. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Right. Yeah, so not only did he have to turn it on, I mean, if it is a transporter, he had to actually program it to do something to that planet itself. Because I, I don't think that it would have already been... Pre-programmed to destroy pre-programmed. a planet. Probably right. not. Didn't that he... you're on. Exactly. That you're on. Well, not only that, in the first issue, didn't uh, Dr. Noguri say, ooh, ha, you know, when, when Data said, uh, oh, that could be perverted into a weapon, right. uh, he said, oh, I love life. No, th- that's, that's wrong. You know, so obviously it was not of Noguri's doing. Now, if somehow the Bodai Shin got in there ahead of time before Picard and company got there and messed with the controls, okay. Maybe, but they never showed any of that. Right. Well, I mean, they did show evidence that there was the distress call and all the crew that were – all the guys that were working there were knocked out or dead or whatever. Right. So something happened there before Data and Worf showed up. Okay, good point. So did the – so is it the Bodai Shin during the fight scenes? Did they actually say we've reprogrammed it to blow things up, the planet up? I don't recall. I, don't I, mean, I know that. there was a few taunts, but I don't well, think yeah. there was. I think it was just... Well, there were taunts, and not only that, when they killed the doctor, they were saying like, oh, and we've got all the secrets too. So right. it's like, I right. was thinking, well, what, how'd you get... Like at the moment of death, did you somehow magically be able to read his mind or something? I didn't get the fact that they they took over the lab, they took all the secrets... You know, in a very short amount of time, um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just splitting cares. If this is a comic book, right? So let's yeah. just go with it, right? Yeah. No, but, I I could see them 
I mean, the, the, it's a distraction. What they're doing on the street is a distraction while they're doing something at the lab. But yeah. it's not explained that they reprogrammed it or they just stole it or they destroyed it. Yeah. But somehow Picard knows and he just goes and does it. Right. You know, something that's kind of a a pattern that's happening with with this issue is lots of things that don't make sense happen. And then they kind of explain it later. Sometimes. Not always. And sometimes insufficiently. Like, and I think I mentioned this last time, all the times when these guys are like, especially at the beginning of the first issue, these guys are impervious warriors. You know, nobody can stop them. Phasers don't seem to have any effect on these guys. And and then all of a sudden, you know, one one mystery person alone is able to take out four of them, you know, with a spear. Um, right. You know, it it just didn't make sense. And then in this issue, where Troy's able to kick one in the face and take him out, Troy, come on. Okay, whatever. It's a pretty cool looking kick, though. Oh, it's a great looking kick, and she must really be limber. But <laughs> I just. Uh, they're, in, they're invincible warriors. Then the next thing you know, Troy, probably the least violent person in the team and probably least able to inflict violence, ends up being a ninja warrior chick. It's like, uh, Well, she does do the, uh, the Klingon martial arts training with war, so she must, she must have really been uh, taking it up to the next level. Yeah. Uh, you know, you mentioned that. What, Tai Chi? She's doing Tai Chi? Right, or, or, right. Okay, that's not... I know, I'm that's kidding. That's not Klingon stuff. Okay, you're kidding? Okay, thank you. Yes. Because <laughs> I know Dax did that with him. Jedzia. You know, real, real fighting with the with the Batliths and stuff. But right. I, I, I don't think Troy, no. No. Okay, okay fine. Yeah, I was kidding. Okay, great. Anyway. No, but I, I liked the scene where she's, you know... And, and and the only thing I can think of is that it was such, just a surprise, you know, that somehow exactly. somehow they're in their heads, right. and she did that, and she said she did it without even thinking about it. So th- that that's what caught him off off guard. But but I mean, but that's also a, a plot thread that that's never really s- explained is is how are the Bodai Chin getting into everybody's heads to feed them with doubt and to yep. actually talk to them like like Riker's case. Yeah. And Jordy. They're yep. talking to them in their yep. heads. And Picard's case, many people. Right. Well, Picard's case, it never actually has them talking. It just suddenly, Picard feels these things, and, well, and Nate is I, feeling these things. And, and I interpreted that differently. Right. It seemed like they were actually talking to him. Yeah, right. And, and Well, definitely in the later issues. Maybe not as much at the beginning when they first do it during the uh, battle. Right. But mm, I definitely got the impression they were talking to him later. Well, whatever. Yeah. No, I'm with you. Uh, another thing that's kind of annoying is at the end of last issue, Sela, Tashiar's daughter, is mm-hmm. able to come in, kick the butt of like four of those guys, or three of those guys, whatever, the Bodai Shin, and then they transport out. Right. Then we come to the beginning of this issue, and boom, they're in the middle of the battle. Right. So it's like, oh, they must have went back in time a little bit. But hold on. Now there isn't four of them. Now there's like six of them or more. No, I think this was just the next wave. Oh, this was the next wave? Uh, well, okay. I guess that makes sense, but that yeah. isn't the way I took it. Right. Yeah, but, I don't know. But you mentioned it, and it might be that. That may well be. 
Um, but but anyway, regardless, it was confusing. Yeah, regardless, it. Oh, okay. So so they the, so it's a continuation. So there's like eight of the guys. Uh, let me count. There's one, two, three, four, uh, five, six. There's at least six showing on the screen or on the panel, and there might be more. So there's right. six of them now that are going to take on Picard and uh, and uh, Sella. And right. again, Picard has like a chain or something, yep. <laughs> like a biker or something, and uh, Sella's got the uh, spear thing. It's like, oh, come on. You two guys are going to take on these six super ninja guys. Yes, they they are horrible ninja guys. They are hor- they are as bad as Imperial stormtroopers. So, and I know I used that <laughs> joke last time, but I just love it. Okay, so and they did that because they wanted to lose, because they were delaying Picard until they got the secrets from the lab. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So, right. It seems like a high price to pay um, to kill. To allow yourselves to be killed in order to just delay someone while you're purposely not killing them. It yeah. does not make any sense. No. And again, at least at the beginning of this issue, you keep on saying to yourself, where the heck is Worf and Data? Right. Yeah. I continue to say that. Remind me, last issue, Picard was with Worf and Data, and then he just like, oh, I'm going to chase these guys down the street. Right. And... He just runs down the street, right? Yep. And then, then he starts in to fight again, and Sella shows up, and and that's the end of the issue. Yeah. But you got he didn't run that far. But in this one, they have to steal a car to get to the same place where Data and Worf are able to run to. Yeah. So it kind of feels like they're much farther apart than than what I remember from last issue. Right. And they also kind of retcon it in the you know, inter issue retcons where when Picard's taken off at the people that, that had killed uh, Naguri, um, Data and Worf are kind of like standing there. They're not directly right. fighting anybody. But then they kind of retcon that in this issue where they kind of go back in time and they're fighting them. Right. You know, they're, they're dispatching these, these guys. Uh, you know the uh, Bodai Shen, and then they then they can go after Picard and find out where where he is. So anyway, right? Um, you know they kind of show you one thing in one issue, then they kind of retcon in the next issue. And this is like one story arc. <laughs> I mean, are you purposely doing this? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. And I mean, every time it, it is like a video game. When they kill one of the Bodai Shin yeah. in all, all these issues, because it shows some of them with their heads chopped off and things like that. These guys are dying. Yeah. But it never shows their bodies on the ground. So it really reminds me of a video game where when you, you, know, you killed something and then it would just kind of blink and then disappear. Right. <laughs> instead of just showing dead bodies everywhere. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. And, uh, you know, we, we do know that last issue, I mean, they were able to attack the Enterprise with hologram ships ships so i mean then i kept wondering if maybe some of these guys are not real that they're just hologram warriors but it never actually says that so i'm assuming they're all real dudes they seem to be real people well one thing i really like seeing is finally one of the bodai shin go down with a phaser and that was inside naguri's lab uh you know about time you know so so picard shoots him it's like come on you could (laughs) Phasers are cool weapons. Like, from a distance, you can, like, 
like kill people or or knock them out. It's like, you know, they never use them. And then all this this garbage about, ooh, you know, going to hit a bi- innocent bystander or something. It's like, oh god. So anyway, it- I'm, I'm I'm glad to finally see that such an effect, a traditionally effective weapon as a phaser, could actually do something against these guys. Right. When I was doing the synopsis, I was saying that the Enterprise was in a void because yeah. on the view screen it shows the green swirly thing. Right. And the only reason I said that was because originally I thought it was just green swirly thing on the view screen because because all the systems were down. And that's just, you know, that's the equivalent of, you know, the white snow on a TV that's not getting reception. Right. Uh, but then later when when the plague starts beaming people out into space – it shows them just kind of floating around in that green swirly void, which made me think, is it is it a real – are they really in a green swirly thing or is it just the computer malfunctioning and, and that's all it displays? I, I first took the green swirly thing as the transportation process. So they were being swept away to some other place. So the Enterprise itself was, is being swept away. That's the way I took it. And then this like green kind of vortexy kind of thing is kind of like the uh, you know the, the transporter effect while you're in transport. Uh, but then agreed, some of the people looked like they were being like beamed off the ship and, and into the void or whatever. And then they finally end up. Well, they they do show that in this, yeah. So they do actually show by the end where the Enterprise is, right? Or do they? Uh, no, they don't actually show where it is. I guess they show that in the next, uh, next issue. But where they end up being, well, okay, so you can see out the window towards the end when Troy and Riker are talking. You can see out the window, it looks like normal space. There are, are stars out there. Right. So they're not in the swirly thing anymore. At least if you look through the window, or not window, but force field, as you continue to say. <laughs> uh, so I, it's confusing. You know, it could have been the transportation sequence as they were getting to this other place. It's hard to say. But I guess we can say more about it in the next issue. All right. Where they actually spend more time in wherever they are. And another thing that was, well, because there are two voids, right? We'll talk about in the next issue. Yeah, there's, yeah. It's where they seem to be and then another void. So that's where the confusion starts coming in. Even more confusion. Great. Right. Right. It's confusing. It's a little bit confusing. So the last thing I just wanted to uh, comment on is, okay, at this point in the story, I was going, what the heck did the Bodai Shin really want? Okay. Um, To test the Federation's resolve, to find their weaknesses. Um, I thought it was incredibly handy how... Uh, Deanna and Picard at the same time were coming to the same conclusions. Um, I mean, even and, fin- and finishing each other's sentences. <laughs> They're like an old married couple. It's amazing. Um, but yeah, so uh, pretty handy. I think it's interesting that things are turning out differently than what we thought. So. The whole idea that they're—it's really about the Federation being tested via. Uh, Picard and the, and the gang is is interesting, but what's their ultimate game? So it is intriguing, right? To me, no, I'm with you. Yeah, I just, yeah, 
just a lot of things are are being set up, and you're and you're thinking that, you know, is it is it just a coincidence that Doctor Nogri was studying Earth ninjas, and then suddenly they're being attacked by space ninjas, and you're and so that was I, handy, I'm, wasn't it? Yeah, so I was starting to overthink, and I'm like, what if this is some sort of like manifestation of you know what he was studying? You know, like almost like a Twilight Zone type thing. So what what if the Bodashin are just manifestations of what he was thinking of when he died? I don't know, but oh. you know, you're thinking you're like, is is it going to be a twist like that, or are these guys really space aliens, and it's all just a great coincidence? Right. I mean, it's already a big coincidence. Worf's there. Oh, God. Hunting with his batleth and cape. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have two more things. One, uh, never in my knowledge was I aware that Data has built-in Wi-Fi because he's able to just get a distress call through his brain or something. I don't know. Well, it makes perfect sense that he would have a communicator built into his, his body. I mean, what the heck? I mean, why does he need a tricorder? I mean, couldn't he have that built into his body? You know, there are a lot of things as far as instrumentation. As a matter of fact, ooh, they should have a phaser built into his hand. Ooh. Anyway. Exactly. All these things he could have built in, but eh, I guess uh, Noonien Singh didn't think to uh, build it in. All right, so it's one thing to say they could have done it. I'm yeah. saying they did it. They've never done it. Well, it, to the best of your net recollection, I don't remember them ever being able. To, mm, yeah, I don't remember them ever being able to do that either. Right, but but here he does. You yeah. you agree with me that he did? Yeah, it. I agree. Yeah. Well, uh, remember when Data was beamed out into space? Uh, right. Not too many issues ago. And yeah. Not too distant past. And he had mag- magnetic feet. Well, not only that, but he was able to somehow uh, get back to the ship. But that's not my point. <laughs> my, my point is, you know, he if he had a communicator built into his head, he could have used it. But many places. Right. Yeah, instead his... of just – he had to feel his, his real communicator vibrate with the, the sound waves that he couldn't hear. Right. Yeah, see? See? There you go. Good point. All right. And then uh, Jordy's eyes going out. Yeah. I mean – do you agree with me 100% that at this point, he can't see anything? He he may just see the, the swirly green stuff if if that's really the static, but he doesn't see anything, right? He's blind. He shouldn't see anything. So he, he doesn't have natural eyes anymore. Right. You know, or... Yeah, they're not they're, just contacts. They're, they're, no. <laughs> the, the, those are artificial eyes. And if the Bodai Shin uh, magic is uh, disabling or taking over uh, equipment on the ship, then uh, they're saying his eyes are affected too, so he shouldn't be able to see anything. Right. I okay. agree. And, and just, just pointing out that when he does start getting infected, it does show it as like a green swirly thing around his head. So that again made me think that the green swirly thing was more just the static or whatever of the electronics and not a real thing going on outside. Thing going outside, except yeah. for when it showed the people getting beamed down into it. Yep. So, anyways. All right. I think that was my last comment on this issue. Cool. Let's go on to issue number three then. Titled The Trap. January 2001, published date. 
writer Scott Siensen, penciler Andrew Curry, inks Digital Chameleon, colors Wildstorm FX, letterer Nachme Zand, editor Jeff Marriott. The cover features Picard and Data's heads in the upper half of the cover. The lower half presents an Elkar's display background with Riker's head and three Bodai Shin assassins in attack poses in the front. In shadows, Riker is putting on a Bodai Shin uniform. Deanna is protesting that they will discover Riker. Riker says they have murdered members of the crew and terrorized the rest. They took the ship and locked them in some kind of void. Riker says we have to take it back. We must become the Hunters. Meanwhile, on Nidaris, Picard and his team are in Dr. Naguri's lab, reading over his research on ancient Earth ninjas. Ninjas aligned themselves to one of many clans that always competed and often warred on each other. The clans were like families, including the fact that ninjas were often born into the clan of their parents, and swore undying allegiance to them. The clans were so isolated from each other, and could not cooperate with each other, so they stayed a little people, squabbling among them, amongst themselves. Picard thinks he sees a similar weakness in the Bodai Shin, and leaves the lab. The others follow. As they emerge, Picard tells them he believes he knows a way to exploit the Bodai weakness, and he stares at the cityscape before him, before them. Meanwhile in the Enterprise, Geordi, acting Captain Crusher, and a team of engineers and a security detail examine the control center the Bodai were able to establish on the ship. Geordi is explaining to Crusher that despite his current total blindness, he thinks he recognizes a way to defeat the apparent total control the Bodai have over the ship. He says they have introduced chaos code into the ship's systems and is overloading them. They are not controlling anything. They are just preventing us from controlling the ship. He says given time, he can implement a method to circumvent the attack and get back control of the ship. They hear a loud thoom sound. Despite her oath to protect life, Captain Crusher orders the security detail to set their phaser rifles on maximum. They're coming back. Cut to Nidaris, where Data and Picard are sitting on the base of a huge statue, watching the crowds of people milling around beneath them. Picard is sure the Bodai are among the people below them, out of uniform and watching. They take the quiet time to talk about beliefs and the feelings of hatred and anger Data is feeling. Picard tells Data that the fear and hatred is only natural, but they will resolve nothing. The Bodai Shin seek to distract and weaken you with them. Picard gives the signal to make it so. A bright flash of light is in the sky like a mini-sun. To the people who have lived their entire life on the dark side of Nadaris, this is a singular experience. Most of them have only known perpetual night. The natives of Nadaris react to it in one way or another. But there are others that clearly do not react like the rest. Worf and Sela spot their quarry and move to intercept. On the Enterprise, Troy is interrogating the captured Bodai Shin with two security men on each side of the prisoner. 
Outside of his armor, the alien has a green-gray skin, bald, white eyes and teeth that stand out in the shadows. He tells Troy little except that one day there may be a time when all minds may unite in a light unlike any other would then, would then exist. It is not clear if he is there to stop it or encourage it, but Troy thinks they want to stop it. The prisoner stops being helpful and just goes back to saying they are the killing shadows. In another part of the ship, crewmen are going about their duties through hallways. Riker is walking among them unobserved. The Bodai Shin armor has psionic shielding that renders him invisible. The Bodai are moving among them, and they didn't even know it. Riker comes upon two Bodai. He could attempt to bluff his way past them, but decides to do the fun thing instead and attacks them. The Bodai turn and inform him that they knew he was not one of them. He does not walk like them. One is able to kick Riker and shatter half of the Bodai mask. Riker thinks of the Bodai victims and gets pissed. He decisively punches one of the Bodai with a crushing blow to the head. The vicious Bodai glove and the power Riker's anger generates causes blood to flow out of the Bodai, who collapses to the ground. The second Bodai attacks Riker with his back turned and sends Riker to the ground. The Bodai calls Riker a worthy opponent and raises his katana to end the worthy opponent's life. Meanwhile, in the Bodai control center... The heavy door blasts in and sends several of the security detail flying back. The Bodai enter and start cutting down the security detail. Geordi says he needs more time to get the ship control back. Crusher raises her phaser to cover the blind engineer as he works. The Bodai stares at Geordi and says how interesting that even without his artificial eyes, he may break the Bodai code. The Bodai extends a spike from his gloved hand and plunges it into a control port. He says he is disabling all life support on the ship. The Bodai tells the healer Crusher her only hope is to kill him now. Crusher sees this is a trick. To get her to fire, then the Bodai can dematerialize and the phaser blast would kill Geordi. She lowers her weapon. The bluff called, the Bodai withdraws his control spike and leaps at Crusher. A second Bodai intercepts the attacking Bodai in mid-air, hurling it away from Crusher. It's Riker, who amazingly sets about neutralizing all the other Bodai, spouting off something about fearing the least experienced swordsman, because he is the most unpredictable. Of course. From the last standing Bodai... Riker rips a component off his armor. Riker says he will not be going anywhere now. The Bodai says if you master the Void, there will be no reason for the Bodai to come. You will never achieve your potential. Riker says, perfect. Geordi says he has it. Main systems are back online. His artificial eyes work again. Then he stops and says with wide eyes, Oh, please, no! Back on Adaris, a young female is running through the crowd. Sella shoots her with a directed energy weapon. Picard says, that was not part of the plan. Sella says, not part of your plan. 
The planetary police bear down on them in numbers and tell them to drop their weapons. As they are escorted to a paddy wagon, Sella tells Picard, You wanted them to come after us, didn't you? And you wanted innocence spared when it happened. The paddy wagon takes off to a place where there are no innocents. In the crowd are five green-gray aliens with white eyes. One says their measure has been taken. It is time to fulfill the ultimate objective. Another of the aliens says, Kill them all. In orbit, the Enterprise, with control fully restored, is surrounded by countless Bodai Shin attack craft. Riker says, Tell me at least some of those are projections. Geordi replies, No. They're all very real. To be continued. So you did say in orbit. I said in orbit. That is what I said. So they really are still above the planet. So it appears. Well, to be perfectly frank, if you look at the last page, you can't really tell for sure. But they're not in a void. There are stars in the background. Right. So I, I don't see the planet, but... I just assumed they were still above the planet, but uh, I, did I could too. be wrong. But I it, did too. Yeah, it could be part of their their game. They're they're messing with people's minds because the only the only way they could have transported the entire enterprise is if they used uh, Doctor Naguri's transporter device, right? Right. Um, and I thought Picard had control over it, or well, well, it didn't work. Whatever. I mean, exactly. So how would they have transported them? Did they just trick them? Interesting. Right. As of this issue, the jury's out. But quite frankly, that looks like normal space behind them. Agreed. Yep. Nope. I I, I thought the same thing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, And the woman that got shot? Yes. the, The young girl? Right. Who is either afraid of the sun or maybe a Bodai Shin. We don't know. Well, okay. She was, she acted, uh, like it didn't matter. I mean, she didn't care about the sudden sun in the sky. Right. So well, actually because she she's well-traveled. Like, she's, she's been around. She's been the Riza. She's, she's ah! <laughs> a well-traveled lady. And yet, well, they're going to shoot her assuming she's a Bodai Shin. Right. Now, interesting that if you look at her, she looks like a normal person. I mean, she does not look like the green, green, gray skin colored aliens. Right. Now, is that because the, they've surgically altered her? Or is she a human agent of the Bodai Shin? Right. Yeah, we don't know. I mean, the Bodai Shin might not be a particular race, just a particular pe- set of people with the same beliefs. Well, I agree with that, except for the fact that every Except for this girl, everybody we've seen when a Bodai Shin has been un- unmasked, they've been the same alien race. Right. So you saw when Troy was interrogating the first one, the first time we mm-hmm. got a look at him. Right. Okay, alien time, fine. Know what they look like. At the end of this issue where there's like five of them, like apparently like there in the crowd or something, because they only show them you know, like filming, shooting up. Right. But I assume they're somewhere on Adaris, probably in the crowd somewhere, I yep. assumed. Uh, they were all the same race again, that green-gray kind of, um, I don't know, a little bit more like a traditional aliens that visit Earth kind of thing. 
look. <laughs> right, like the gray alien. Right, right. So, uh, yeah, you, maybe you're right. Maybe they aren't necessarily one race, but they seem to have a preponderance of one race. Right. And another another thing I was thinking is that, you know, if she is a Bodaishan, which, again, I'm not 100% positive because she just happened to not look up at the sun or be all that surprised. But anyways, um, I was also thinking that, you know, they do have this technology where they can be completely invisible. What what would be – wouldn't be that big of a stretch to think that you could project a holographic interpretation of, that makes you look different, right? So maybe she did – she is a green-skinned alien, but just this is a – a, you know, chameleon circuit type thing over well, her form. At, at this point, you could say that. Right. But not at the end of the next issue. Oh, Maybe. I don't want to do a spoiler. <laughs> Agreed. I, I'm telling you what I was thinking at this time. Oh, cool. Cool. Right. But again, I was still thinking that I, I don't, I can't believe they shot her when she may or may not even have been a Bodai shit. Exactly. And, and why couldn't you just stun her? I mean, what, why, you know, Sella, why did you have to quote killer yeah and we don't know how they killed her she's not disintegrated it doesn't show her like you know being turned into dust like you know in wrath of khan and things like that when we see somebody get hit with a high phaser or a disruptor right they just kind of melt away yeah but they're not Did that showing happen what happened here or... i don't know well, what happened well because they're just... not they're not showing us yeah so i just assumed her dead body or her stunned body fell down the rest of those stairs and crumbled at the bottom at this point, I, I assume the same thing. Yeah. Right. And, and what was Sella on about anyway? Um, you know, actually, I am supporting your, uh, what you're doing, Picard, and your plan. You wanted, you wanted us to basically look like the hero that we're trying to safeguard people. Uh, I think that's what she was saying. So was she saying it was all part of a plan to get the cops on their side or something? I, I'm confused. Yeah. And you got to think about we, we this is the third issue and every issue horrible stuff's gone down. You know, we have Dr. Nogri stabbed to the side of the yep. wall, we have dead people all over the place at that at the restaurant, at yep. the lab. These cops should be do, searching everywhere for these mass murderers. Right. So you think that Picard, being Picard, could, you know, flash his credentials and say, you know, I'm I'm investigating this too and you know I I, I did not buy I mean and especially what happens in the next issue I don't think would have really happened if if they knew he was <laughs> Picard and uh <laughs> Right. Well yeah, I assume this is a uh, is this a member of the Federation is this planet member of the Federation? You would assume so because, uh, you know, there's a Federation research lab there. Exactly. So, I don't know. Yeah. But regardless, I mean, would they really be having this concert out in the middle of the open if there was all this terrorist activity going on in the city? Yeah. It seems like everybody's pretty nonchalant and surprised every time, you know, all this bad stuff starts happening. Right. I mean, maybe they don't have CNN on this planet. <laughs> tell them that oh, well, three streets down, everybody in this hotel, this restaurant is now dead. Yeah, news at eleven. Yeah, well, maybe the cops are still trying to figure things out. I don't know. Right, but uh, 
Yeah, so so I'm thinking, oh, okay, so they're going to have some big discussion with the local with the local uh, authorities, right? And they'll bring them in on it, and they'll figure out a way to you know, you know, do the boat ice, you know, fight the boat ice shin. Or did they want to get arrested so they wouldn't get killed? I mean, like, mm, because they are witnesses and they're still alive, right? Um, and by the way, with everybody. I mean, considering that these guys like to kill all the witnesses, why didn't they still have even more warriors down or Bodai Shin down there to kill Picard and uh, and Sella? I don't know. Right. I mean, we we know now because they're testing them, but it didn't make any sense at the beginning of the issue. Right. To me. Nope. Anyway, how about that uh, that Riker Hulk blow to the Bodai's face? That was great. Um, that was yeah. a satisfier. I was thinking more Batman. He he's even drawn looking like Batman when he's like putting on the outfit and wearing the outfit. I I mean, all he needed is the cape. Okay, fair enough. But I'm saying, when, <laughs> but I'm saying when uh, I'm saying he it, that was a crushing blow. That was like, oh man, you you went right through the helmet and everything. You're just a Hulk, anyway. Whatever, either way. The well, main those, thing is, those helmets go down pretty fast. I mean, he somehow gets his cut in half. Yeah, but with, really with a kick. Right. Yeah, they kick it. So I guess those helmets aren't as good as they look. Right, but no, it, there's a lot of really cool visuals. Uh, like I said, this is like this is a comic book story that's just happened to be it's set in the Star Trek universe. So there is tons of just great comic book fighting with. Uh, with you know everybody really, I, I yeah, and, and the and artwork's that, quite and good. that's definitely one of them. Yeah, did we mention the artwork by the way? Have we commented on that yet? Not really. Uh, I think the artwork's quite good. I think people look very accurate. Um, and yes, I kind of like that. Sorry, I'm old fashioned that way. No, as, oppo- you. as opposed to the last uh, comic book arc. Um, I, I think the artwork's quite good. I mean, this is the kind of comic book art that I like to see. Right. As opposed to some other more um, uh, artistically blazing new trails kind of styles that we have seen recently. Right. Okay. No, I'm, I'm with you. I really <laughs> like the artwork. Uh, um, I, I, I like I said. I think it it, lo- it reminds me of all the comic books that I like. So in this one, there's a lot of uh, you know Batman type vibes going on with with the fight scenes and things like that, and and. And, you know, Riker's a little overly muscular, I think, especially when he's, like, putting on the suit. Oh, yeah, he looks – he's beefy. He's a beefy guy at the beginning. And the thing is, most of these these aliens, at least aliens so far that dressed up as Bodai Shin, they're kind of skinny and lanky. Right. Uh, you know, muscular and stuff, but kind of on the skinny side. And like I said before, in parts of their body, they kind of look like Cylons because they're so skinny in the hips and stuff. And right. it's like, Riker ain't skinny in the hips. He's a pretty beefy guy. Right. Well, that's how they knew him by footsteps because he's just plotting it so loud. <laughs> well, when you finally see him in in his outfit and stuff, I mean, he looks like Iron Man or something. I mean, he looks, you know, big. Right. So, yeah, he's easy to spot that way. But the, the sound thing was a good point. So yeah. if if the Bodai Shin can hear him walking down the corridors, why can all the other people that are in the corridors not hear it? Well, 
and Riker may not be that plotting, quite frankly. But uh, but the Bodeishin are just that good that they can tell the difference. Right. Uh, and and that's that's interesting. Uh, was it psionic they called it? Psionic uh, right. shield or something? <clears throat> so they're messing, I think, I don't remember the exact definition of psionic, but so basically they're messing with how people perceive things around them to be invisible as opposed to being truly invisible. Is that what the psionic bit means? I don't, I don't know. Yes. Because there's a thing they did with that in Torchwood, you know, a TV series uh, spinoff of Doctor Who, that um, the entrance to their underground lair, uh, Torchwood's underground lair, uh, is like, uh, you know, by, by a statue or something in Cardiff. And, um, and it's the same kind of thing. It's kind of camouflage somehow. Leveraging how people perceive things that they see their, their sight, they perceive things, and I just wondered if that was the same kind of thing as opposed as opposed to being truly, you know, uh, invisible right. like a Romulan cloak ship. Right, right. Good point. Well, I, I, I yeah, I'm just asking about it. Yeah, they, I don't they know. bothered saying that. They right. called it a psionic thing instead of some kind of little cloaking device, personal cloak. But I thought that was kind of interesting. So in this issue, do they seem to be getting into people's head and talking to them all that much? Um, I don't. Re- well, well, aren't they in Riker's head a little bit? Maybe not as much as in previous ones, but when Riker's fighting them, isn't that? Are they talking to him, or is it, it just in his? No, head? they're just they're just talking to him. Okay, okay. Well, maybe not. Maybe not. Then good point. So that's your part of your point. Well, uh, yeah, I'm just I'm still trying to figure out where all that came from. Last issue, just right. Just them talk, talking to him and feeding him with doubts and stuff. And then in here, they don't do any of that. And, you know, they're just able to fight like uh, like comic book characters should be fighting. Right. There is a spot where Captain Crusher is dealing with the Bodai Shin who's threatening to turn life support off. Mm-hmm. And it says she can feel him in her mind. Okay, but, but they're not actually communicating. I don't right. think. Okay. All right. Well, there but, it is. But no. But but even then, I mean, because they are talking to each other. I think. Yeah. Yeah. The Bodai Shin is actually talking to her. Right. Yeah. So they may be in each other's mind a bit, but they're not actually speaking words. Good point. Okay. All right, and go ahead. Oh, I was just going to comment on the idea that I kind of like, even though it's kind of BS, but I kind of like it, is what Jordy is describing to how the boat I were able to take over the Enterprise's um, systems, it sounds like a, a DDoS attack, so no, deli- uh, denial of service attack that happens on the Internet now by, um, by f- of course, a uh, a DDoS is when a website is flooded with so many requests for service that it's overwhelmed. And basically, the web, the website cannot respond to valid requests for service because it's being flooded with all this artificial uh, garbage. So it's a very common thing these days uh, to hear of de- denial of service attacks 
Um, matter of fact, that's what that's what uh, somebody, the Korea maybe, uh, did to uh, Sony's website, and that's definitely what happened to uh, Korea's uh, uh, internet uh, later. Anyway, the main point is, I thought that was interesting that they use that kind of um, web, you know, modern attack method uh, from modern day and tried to apply it to a way of attacking the enterprise's computers. I thought that was kind of interesting. Now, was that something that existed in 2000? I would think so. Okay. I, I would think so. Oh, well, the Internet's been around a while. Did right. they have D, did they have, I, I would think they had examples of DDoS attacks back then. But... That's the way I interpreted what they were describing anyway. And if yeah. it wasn't that, then I am I'm really impressed that <laughs> that they would have come up with that out of the blue. Right. No, I, I liked the idea of the plague thing. I just you know, and, and I hate to well, short... I, I hate them talk about it as a plague though. Refer to right. it as a at, that really sounds cheap. But when they just when Jordy describes what it is, I immediately, I immediately said DDoS attack. But no, no, okay. I didn't know the real world uh, analog towards it, but I liked the concept of it. I thought I thought it made sense. I just didn't like that Jordy was able to do it without being able to see. Yeah, which I hate to, you know, uh, downplay his character. You yeah, know, he should be able to do anything. He's mm. he's the second greatest miracle worker in the exactly. Star Trek universe. But exactly, I find it. I was find it hard to believe he was able to just do that with that by just feeling this this conduit that's all repurposed and he's just able to fix it somehow by right by feel yeah uh, i find that hard to believe yeah so you definitely rank geordie over trip tucker oh yeah oh yeah well so would i i'm just i'm just making sure well, I don't know. Jordy did have to have a lot of help from a holographic Le- Leanna Brahms. <laughs> True. Tripp never had to, had to resort to such things. Right. He made it all up. Exactly. Anyways, yeah, I was really confused when I was reading it because I was thinking in some scenes he was able to see because it looked like he's like welding or something. And I'm like, well, how's he able to do that without sight? And then a couple of panels later, he's, I got my sight back. And then he says, oh, no. But I have no idea what, what that oh no was about. Well, yeah. Well, we'll find out in the next issue, won't we? Well, no. We found out now. What was it? Well, it was the all those ships. Oh, okay, okay. Surrounding. All right. Well, then, never mind then, because I, I was confused, and I didn't think that the last one even told us. The next one. I, I, I even read the next one going, what was he talking about? Yeah, I guess you're right. It's the ships. Yeah, so we find out at the very end of this one. Right, right. Oh, no, we're surrounded. Okay, so another thing that's kind of weird is they transition from issue to issue, and they kind of retcon things. There was another mini example of that at the beginning of this one. Um, In the previous, the end of the previous issue, it's definitely Troy that's all over what's going on. She's the one that's figuring out everything and saying, uh, you know, we got to, you know, basically she's saying we, we, we got to stop playing defense. And then, like, she's the one who's like, oh, let's go. And then in the beginning of the next issue, Riker starts, you know, doing the Batman thing and putting on the black outfit. And uh, and she's like, she's like, her mouth is open as Riker speaks the important, aggressive, testosterone 
uh, words, uh, we must be the hunters. And she's like so surprised and stuff. It's like, well, what? You're the right. one that was talking about all this in the last issue. <laughs> it was your idea. It was, This kind of sounded like your idea. Now, was it the fact that Riker was actually putting on the outfit? Is that the part? Yeah, I think so. Uh, so, so Riker took her idea and actually put it into a tactical tactical action by starting to uh, put on the outfit, uh, which amazing, which is must be amazing, amazingly flexible, by the way. Um, since again, we said Riker's a pretty big guy compared to these aliens. So I thought that was kind of surprising, exactly how surprised Deanna was. Right. She just didn't want him to go, and she thought he looked damn good in that suit. <laughs> oh, maybe before he was to put the suit on. <laughs> Who knows? Okay. So, uh, yeah, that's all I have to say about this one. That's my last comments on this one. So, shall we see how this all wraps up? Yeah, and let's hope it makes sense. <laughs> we'll find out. All right, so uh, this issue is number four. It came out February of 2001. The writer was Scott Sion. The penciler is Andrew Curry, the inker, digital chameleon. Letterer is Nakme Zand. Colorist, Wildstorm FX. Editor, Jeff Marriott. Um, I don't know if I mentioned it, but it is entitled The Secret. So the cover shows a montage of images again. Uh, we got Picard in his first contact uniform holding a hand phaser. The Enterprise E being attacked by many small. Uh, Bodan Shin craft, and then some random headshots of Data and Sela. So on the planet Nidorus, Picard, Data, Worf, and Sela are being imprisoned due to Sela killing the woman in the last issue. The woman was a disguised Bodine Shin, but the locals do not know that, and they think that everyone in the group are murderers and perhaps responsible for all the death that seems to be everywhere in these last few issues. Thrown into a cell, Sela says that she has a plan. In orbit, the Enterprise is surrounded by the Bodai Shin attacked craft. Riker opens up a communication and tells them that they have captured several Bodai Shin and that they will die if the Enterprise is destroyed. The Bodai Shin do not respond, so Riker orders the Enterprise to hit them with everything they have. With that, the final space battle has begun. In the jail cell, Data explains the parallels between the Bodai Shin and the ninjas of Earth, stating that the Void is perhaps not necessarily a real place, but perhaps a state of mind. His explanations are cut short when they can hear screams of the guards in the other room. The Bodai Shin have come to attack them while they are defenseless and shackled in their cells. Before the Bodai Shin can enter the jail... Sela nods at some green-skinned aliens in the next cell over. Suddenly, these three green aliens turn into hulking monsters, and they break them out of the metal bars. They also have a device that deactivates the shackles on their arms. Soon, the crew is armed with swords and waiting the arrival of the space ninjas. When the Bodan Shin arrive, they say that they are there because the humans endeavor to discuss the void. On the Enterprise, Riker is informed that many of the attacking ships are pilotless drones. This gives Riker an idea, and he orders the escape pods to get ready for launch. Geordi is confused. In the jail, the fight is heavy, 
with many ninjas losing their heads by the swords and being smashed to a pulp by the hulking monsters. Picard stops the fighting and he holds up a computer chip. He says that this is the pattern of the girl that Sela supposedly killed last issue. Shocked, Sela realizes that Picard somehow knew her plan to kill that girl and he somehow used the super transporter to beam her away and that this chip is the retrieval matrix. Picard starts to offer a bargain for the return of their warrior in order to get peace. When suddenly one of the Bodaishin destroyed the chip from Picard's hand with his swipe of a sword. Another armed alien screams, No! In space, the escape pods surround the Enterprise, and as the small Bodine ships attack them, they are somehow rigged to explode and take out the attacking ship as well. Riker has created a minefield. On the planet, the Bodine Shin are about to finish the fight when a glowing hologram appears and tells Picard that they have what they need. They now have proof that humans are willing to betray their ideals when needed. He calls the Federation hypocrites and that this will not be the last time that they meet. With that, he orders the retreat of the Bodai Shin. Reluctantly, the surviving space ninjas turn around and leave. In space, Riker is finally able to get through the communications jamming and informs the captain that the space battle is also over. Two days later... Sela meets with a Federation crew member who gives her a box. The box contains pictures and mementos of her mother, Tasha Yar. When the crewman leaves, Sela destroys it with a disruptor. Elsewhere on the Enterprise, after the repairs have been made, Picard, Data, and Worf, all still wearing their costumes from the Bodine Shin adventure, stand near the transporter, and Picard gives the order, Make it so. With that, the transporter hums, and a young woman appears. The same young woman that Sela killed last issue. She seems cold and confused. She states that she cannot feel the void. Picard holds out his hand, and he suggests to her that there is a whole universe out there for her to feel. The end. A lot happened in this issue. A lot happened. So... It seems that they've definitely introduced a new big bad into the Wildstorm comic Trek world that they're going to be using in the future, or they intend to use in the future. Right. A? I hope so. Yeah. So these guys, um, hmm. Okay, so by the actions of Caliginius, or however you, you, you... the herald of the void. Yeah, the the hologram dude. Yeah, right. Um, from what he's saying, it appears as if uh, the Bodai's leadership is quite flawed. Oh, really? So, well, he's saying that Picard and company are flawed in their morals because they would imperil an innocent girl. Um, but quite frankly, they're the one that put the child in the situation in the first place. I mean, let's look at all the people that the Bodai killed on the planet and on the Enterprise. I mean, weren't weren't at least some of those people innocent also? And then they could have saved the they could have saved the kid, or so they thought, but they end up destroying the chip. 
right? Which they think is the thing that's is the key to bringing the kid back. Right, right. But they destroy it. So it's like, wait a minute. Hold on a second. You could have had the kid back. We, Picard, safeguard the kid. And you, your, your, num- your, your knuckleheads, destroyed it. Right, but they don't. They don't value their own lives. I mean, even when they were attacking them, the mines, they were. All, it was all. All well, the dialogue was about how they're happy to die. Yeah. Okay. But this kid seems to be different. This kid seems to be a big linchpin, and it sounds like the father of the kid. Uh, and by the way, I say kid, but you know, it's a young woman. I mean, right. she's probably what eighteen, maybe sixteen, but she looks kind of curved. For being yeah, too I young. was thinking she was in her twenties, but but or, a, anyway, a, a, there you go, eighteen, twenty, something like that. She didn't she didn't strike me as a, a, a what I would call a kid until they started calling her a kid or right. whatever. So this, I mean, the father seems to be the father of the kid seems to be one of the Bodai warriors, right? I yeah. mean, did, didn't he actually say something? Yeah, he said, "What about my daughter?" or something. Oh, there you go, there you go, exactly. So um, I think that they displayed that the leadership is flawed and that at least this father is going to be the germ, uh, the beginnings of the fracture where the rank and file uh, see that their leadership may not be all they're cracked up to be. That's what I think. And maybe I think that because that's pretty much what happened in the Halo storyline where the Covenants, you know, they were all led by this idea of bringing races up to a higher level. And uh, they had one particular race that said, oh, we know God, you know, you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And everybody else fell in line behind them. And then eventually Master Chief and the Arbiter, uh, you know, started the, exploiting the cracks in the armor of the whole hi- covenant hierarchy. And uh, the rank and file saw, hey, our leaders are BS. I think it's going to be a similar storyline if they ever complete it. Right. Which I don't know. I don't think they ever do. I don't think they do either. But I, I, I honestly don't know how many how many issues did they have of these Wildstorm. Uh, I think well, this, this might have this might be the last of the miniseries. They they didn't have a lot of miniseries, and then they just started doing little one-offs. Hmm. And I don't think the uh, these space ninjas come back. Okay. Well, I think that's the kind of thing they were going for. Sure. Uh, in the end, but I guess we will never know. Right. Yeah. Now, when that one ninja um, destroyed the the chip, that made sense to me because they don't oh. really care about her. They they just want to prove that the uh, that Picard's willing to stoop to any level to to what? to save his own life. Okay, but you've already except well, but, for except for the destroying... one guy, the, the dead. He's the only yeah, but, one that seemed to care. But destroying the chip, but that's just. The... That doesn't make – okay, if they're trying to prove that Picard would endanger the kid like that, it's like he's just pro- proved the opposite. He's the one that took precautions to make sure the kid was safe. But then he he was holding her ransom. Here she is. You, I will kill her if – or, uh, you know, I, I, I took it that he was willing to trade her life. You saved my life and here is hers. Otherwise, I'm going to do something with her, her life. You know, that, that oh, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, okay, you're probably right, but I didn't remember that. 
Okay. I don't think it's actually. I don't think he said I, it. I, but I, th- I, that's what I was. That I think that's what the uh, the arbiter or whatever. Not arbiter. The uh, the glowing guy. Uh, I right. think that was what. I think that was how he proved that Picard was a hypocrite because Picard's all about you. You're going to save lives despite what it does to you, but here you are holding this girl's life, trying to trade your life for hers. That's the way. That's the way I took it. Whether well, that's what he was really doing or not, um, that's that's what the yeah he does say. This retrieval matrix is your only hope for her survival. There must be an end to these hostilities. Whoever sent you, whatever your purpose, true purpose, and then they uh, they destroyed it without touching well, that, Picard. By the way, that is <laughs> that is amazing. Now, now, wouldn't you think these guys would like yeah chop his hand off or at least his fingers? It'd be a lot uh, easier. It would be. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. So um, I think I think the whole story, but I think the whole story arc was kind of complicated, and definitely these last uh, pages, you really had to pay attention to what was going on. Right. Uh, so, do you want to hear why I think these are similar? These guys are similar to the Borg. To the Borg, sure. The Borg. Okay, so they're very powerful. And they have advanced technology that our heroes are are having to play catch up with mm-hmm. to be able to defeat them. Um, you know, so uh, Picard and company again are the underdogs in a lot of ways. Uh, there are many individual Bodai Shin that the crew can individually defeat to give us a feeling of satisfaction without getting rid of the main threat. So all kinds of drones, Borg drones, all kinds of these Bodai Shin guys. Um, the girl they saved appears to be teed up to be analogous to, to the Borg U. Okay, uh, right. Right. Uh, she. It looks like she's going to be taught by Picard how great the Federation is and how its beliefs, you know, they believe in freedom and honor and isn't that great. And she and her father will prove to be the linchpins in showing that Caliganus and the Void are not what they pretend to be. And then finally, you know, at the end, and there are probably more examples, but the last thing is she, after she transports back in, she talks about not feeling the void anymore. I can't feel the void, you know. Right. So that's kind of like, like, like when you was cut off from the collective. It's like, I can't feel the collective. You know, it just seemed very analogous. Agreed. No, I, I agree with you. And and they made a big deal that the void was more of a frame of mind and not a real place. So. How could you feel it by just waking up or, or rematerializing? Exactly. I agree. I mean, is it because she hasn't you know, meditated to get the right frame of mind? <laughs> yeah. So obviously it, they're making it sound like some kind of like transmission or something, you know, or something that, that can be cut off. Um, I just find it very interesting. Right, and another another reason why they're the same is uh, similar to Borg, mm-hmm. is that uh, when they were taking over the ship, right? You know that that control panel was all deformed and and looked oh, right. looked okay. like it was kind of. In fact, when I first saw it, I was like, "Man, the Borg are here!" You know, I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah." Or I was yeah, like, "Is this like, is it's this like a, First Contact?" Yeah, I was like, "Is this a yeah. part that maybe they haven't fixed since First Contact?" And you know, I, I was. 
I was really getting a Borg vibe there. Right. And then uh, these guys are kind of like the opposite of the Borg in a little bit in that, you know, the Borg, as long as you don't mess with them, you can walk freely on their ship. And then here, these guys, because they're invisible, can oh. walk freely on the ship as long as they don't mess with you. On our ship. Right. Aha. Interesting. Huh. So, oh, that's an interesting point. I hadn't thought of that, about that. But that is kind of like that, isn't it? Right. So, yep. Interesting. And then I was getting a uh, Galaxy Quest vibe when <laughs> when Riker launched all the the Oh, right, the, when he launched pods. all the escape pods to be a mines sure. that he could then move around. Yeah, and you know, quite frankly, that's that's an interesting tactic. Um if you loaded them with explosives or antimatter or something. Right. And the idea that you could control your, quote, minefield, um, you know, to get out of your way or to get into the way of your attackers is very interesting. It is. And I wish they would have explained it more because as far as we know, those are just the the escape pods. So I did not understand why they were exploding. I just assumed that they did something to them to – rig them up to explode but it's not clear either visually or through dialogue yeah as to why the ships that are destroying them the escape craft are also being destroyed yeah yeah you know maybe there's an extra step there where they loaded up with antimatter or something that they didn't bother telling us but there are so many of them how could they have done that so quickly right i mean Riker just came up with the idea i guess you could think arm and beam a whole bunch of photon torpedoes in there and then just ah. <laughs> I guess you could uh, wow that would be something uh, before they got outside the shields of course right um, yeah it's almost that's, that's such a nice tactic it's almost like that's like a weapon you should build into the ships oh yeah, yeah I mean it's like yeah, and when he says that it's something that they can control, it was I just man, that's brilliant because they all have their own thrusters. You could yeah. just it'd be like a flock of birds, them. and you could right. just you, you, or like gnat, you know, just like insects, like a gnats or right. something. Just you couldn't get away from it. Exactly. Yeah, I yeah. Cool. There's there's a pretty cool weapon they got in the Star Trek verse, where the ancients um, have these little uh, like little highly explosive little semi-organic kind of things that are kind of like photon torpedoes, but they're totally independently guided with, with artificial intelligence and stuff. And like, like hundreds of these things get launched and they just like swarm in on the enemies and just totally nuke them. You said that was the the Star Trek verse. Oh, did I say, I thought I said Stargate. Maybe I said Star. Okay. Okay. Stargate. Stargate. That's what I meant to say. If I said Star Trek, that, that was my mistake. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, I need to watch those shows. Swarms of independently uh, autonomous uh, missile, photon torpedoes. I think that's pretty cool. Oh, why don't they put more intelligent photon torpedoes out there anyway? Right. I mean, yeah. how much would that take anyway? Right. You could do it on the holodeck to just for entertainment purposes. You think that you could put something into a, into a right. missile. Exactly. Anyway, well, maybe we'll see if there, well, if there are more next-gen things, or let's say when there are. Right. We'll see more. 
Because right. even though th this little blip in the road where the the command structure of the movies is totally switching over, or so it seems, um, there's lots of cool things that they'll get to, I'm sure, when they finally do a, a, a next-gen reboot. Right. Which I'm sure they'll get to. It'll happen. Eventually. Right. And this could be one, uh, a cool little extra little weapon. But, you know, they could they could put that in the new ones, too. I mean, it's not like they're slave to... Well, they kind of got them already, right? Yeah, I mean, those things that... Uh, those self-guided missiles that uh, Khan came up with. Oh, right. That right. he loaded his people into. Yeah. I mean... I think they, that's maybe not that far afield from what we've been talking about. I don't know. Yeah, let's not get started on that because that's kind of BS. That You could sit on the neutral zone and shoot Kronos from... From that far out. Yeah, and it'd get there in any reasonable amount of time because they don't go at warp, the missiles. Well, yeah, I don't see how they could. Yeah. Yeah, Chrono. I'm sure Kronos is pretty deep into their territory. You would well, think whatever. so. Whatever. Okay. Right. Well, let's not get on that. <laughs> anyway, so back so, to this. What'd you think about the Hulk showing up and being no, yeah, what three the... of them? Three Hulks. I don't. So okay, so that's all part of Tasha's Tasha and the Federation or Starfleet's plan. Yeah, maybe that person who gave her the box at the end. I don't know. It's not Picard's plan. Well, definitely was Starfleet that that gave her the box at the end, right? Yeah. Um. So yeah, I thought it was like what, what? But it's like okay, if you're gonna if you're gonna plant somebody in there, like kind of like um, when the Joker was captured and you know we had night. the guy go in there, yeah, right, with the explosive sewed up inside of him, which is like ooh. But I mean, if you can slip somebody in there, you know. Why not slip in changeling life, like uh, metamorphosizing Hulk guys? Why not? Yes. And, I mean, and somehow they had the little keys to the shackles. I don't want to know where they were hiding it. <laughs> yeah, okay, so... So were they... Okay, when they were in their normal form... Yeah. Were the... Were these people on the other side of the bars that was to Picard and Company's jail cell, right? Yeah, they were in the jail cell next to them. Oh, okay, okay. So that was a jail cell next to them. Right. So these aliens got in trouble and got thrown in. On purpose. Uh, on purpose. Okay, okay. And interesting how they didn't even bother showing any dialogue between Picard and any of the authorities. No. No, they, they just brought in, and they're put in jail, and then fun starts happening when the jail break. Yeah, we don't even know what they're put in jail for. Yeah. Because, again, we don't know that that girl disintegrated, was on the side of the road dead, right. stunned. We don't, we don't even know what, what they're put in jail for. Right. We just have to assume it's because the, she shot the girl, and um, they think she's dead. Right. And then what's with that bright light in the sky? You guys responsible for that? All right, good know. point. <laughs> it's like an explosion. Yeah, how and, and did by he the do way, that? how did exactly? And how did they? So what kind? So did they whip something up in Naguri's lab or what? Right, maybe it's like a solar flare or something. I don't know. I, I don't mean, know. like a like a, a giant road flare, but 
in the sky. Uh, <laughs> no, it made no sense. Yeah. It's a firework. Maybe they got one of those old uh, old little jewels from Taz days when they were fighting the uh, the Gorn. But when they had that little mortar thing. Oh, right, right, right. And they dropped those little silver ball inside the mortar and it shot over and it's like it was so powerful it was like the sun lighting up. There you go. Uh, See, there you go. You explained it. That's awesome. I, whatever I can do to help. <laughs> so. So, yeah. So the Hulk guys, uh, just out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, start basically taking on uh, the Bodai Shin, who, where did they, so they beamed in. The Bodai Shin? Yeah. Yeah, but they didn't beam in straight into the into the jail where they could just kill them and leave. They, you know, knocked on the front door, started killing everybody, and walking through the police station to get finally to the jail, which doesn't make sense. If you go invisible, you walk right through. Exactly. Get inside the jail cell, turn invisible, or become visible and kill them. Right. But they had to give them enough time to hulk out, break through, and get some swords out of nowhere. <laughs> Well, exactly. So you've got you've got the Hulk guys ripping the bars open, mm-hmm. and it almost makes it look like one of the Hulk guys is grabbing a a one of the bars, right, and ripping it out to make it in kind of like a weapon. And then a few panels down, after you know the uh, his Lexus remote control is is flipped to 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 un, un, unshackle Picard. He hands Picard what looks to be a fully formed katana. Right. Which. But is, you, that a, is that a bait and switch? Or but if what? you look at it, it looks like maybe he pulled that katana out of his chest. Ugh, so it kind of has how? like some slime running off his his hands and it comes out of his chest to the, oh. To the sword. Oh, I, I got it. So you. was this so... sword inside these guys the whole time and he's pulling it out? Uh, that's a good point, because his right hand, the, the Hulk guy's right hand, seems to be inside of his chest. Right. Uh, good point. So again, this was another that. one where you had to really pay attention to all the pictures, because they're not explaining anything to you no. through the dialogue. Yeah. And you because, just got to come up with your own story. Right. Like, Picard tries to explain it. Changelings? And then Sela says, but, this is no time to be curious. Oh, Okay. But why use that word, changelings? We that is a specific species, yeah. Not just somebody who can change shape, right? I wish he would have said shapeshifters or something like that, not changelings, because changelings is a specific, right? They're the the founders, or they're, yeah. you know, they, and they would not be helping the Romulans, <laughs> right? By any means, no. So I thought that and, was a poor choice of words. And didn't they establish in? Uh... Was was it Star Trek Six? When uh, yeah, right, yeah, when uh, Bones and Kirk are on Aurora Pinthe, right? Yes. So that 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 lady was a shapeshifter. Uh, a shapeshifter, but she was not a changeling, right? Right. Okay. Okay. Hmm. Yep. Whatever. Anyways. Okay, so where are we? Um, yeah, overall, it was a bit. Of, it, it was a heck of a ride. This story arc, this four issues, um, mixed with excitement and confusion in equal 
<laughs> dollops. <laughs> right. Uh, and now we've got a new big bad that can pop up or could pop up. Apparently hasn't. Could. I don't know yeah. for sure. I haven't read all the Wildstorm stuff. So, right. so we'll, we'll keep an eye out. out for it. We'll find out. So I did like the Tasha um, the Tasha oh, right. kind of scene there at the end when she – the Federation person thinks that she's given her mementos because she's wanting to remember her mom and then she destroys it and says uh, – what did she say? Um, yeah, you don't have any hold over me anymore, mother. Something right, like something like that. So no I, control over me anymore. I like that. Yeah, so, so then – but it – I get the impression of the look on her face just before she starts walking off, and then you see the the, the burning picture of Yar left on the ground. Um, that how how successful was Sela? <laughs> uh, I'm guessing not that not so much. Right. I'm just she wondering. Shaking off her own guilt. Right. So it, it, she was four years old when, when she turned in her mother. Was that it? Yeah, that's what they said. Well. It's kind of young to be making decisions, but um, that that you're going to be held to. But yeah, I don't think she was too successful. So an interesting thing about Sella is she going to go good? Is she going to go bad? Or is she always going to be one of those characters you really don't quite know which right. way she's going to go? I, th- I think she should always be the you don't know which way she's going to go. Right. That's what I thought made her a great character. Right. So you noticed in that box there was data – there was information on data and yeah. there was information on her aunt. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. Okay, so data was in the box. Why? Because whoever put that box together knew that they were intimate. Well, okay, but I thought it was her personal effects. Yeah. Why would they have it? Well, because her quarters – I mean – after she dies, they go into her quarters and they gather up everything. And then they, I guess they put it in this box. So yeah. I don't think they, I don't think, so your your theory is this is stuff they, that Starfleet gathered as opposed to it being her personal effects from her quarters. Right. Hmm. That's the way I took it. Right. I took it that they basically took everything left out of her quarters. They had to clear it out anyway. Right. And, um, and so it's just been sitting in storage somewhere? I, yeah, I know how unlikely that sounds, but I mean, <laughs> what else are they going to do with all of her stuff? I mean, she she had no family, right? Right. Um, I just find it... Well, I mean, she, has it, an, she has a sister. What, back at... Oh, back at the... Okay. Sure, at that uh, that horror show that she grew up in, that planet. Yeah, was it Turkana Four? Oh, oh, that's pretty good. If you remember that, it's in the picture. <laughs> oh, okay. Would you know that's what it's from? Yeah, okay. So I'm, you... I'm guessing. I don't know. Yeah, because I don't remember the name of the colony. The colony that went bad. Right. That that was a that was a very interesting episode, by the way. But let's not get down that path. Okay, so okay, so she may so you know that she's got a. Uh, Okay, so she's got a sister there, if she's still alive. Who knows? But they're not even in contact with those people, are they? The Federation, pretty much? I mean, they are, but not really. I mean, my main point is, she's got all this stuff, and who are they going to give it to? I don't know. 
So they just keep it in storage. I guess. In case her daughter from an alternate timeline just happens to show up yes. and want it. With incredibly ripped abs, happens to show up and uh, wants it. Yes. Okay. And what I want to know, I think they're from her quarters, and she's got a picture data in there. Which would make sense. Well, why? Because she still loved him. What? Love? Loved. Well, wait a minute. Loved. Wait a minute. Okay. She loved him. This... Okay, so... Yes, so they had a liaison once. And apparently, it had an effect on Tasha. Okay, fine. But the last time we saw Tasha, she was head over heels for this other guy. Uh, from the Enterprise B, right? Oh, right. Yeah, so. but she never had a chance to go back and change her quarters out after that. Plus, that, ah. was, that was alternate <laughs> Tasha anyways. Yeah, so did Tasha, did Tasha have a relationship with anybody? Uh, Other than what I think was the purely physical one with Data, which happened once under duress. I think they, had, they might have had some other ones. Okay. Hmm. Okay, I, I did find it interesting that that Data's photo would be in there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Makes you, makes you wonder. All right, and then my last thing is uh, it just sounds really creepy when uh, the girl is materialized. She says, I cannot feel the void. And then Picard holds out his hand, and he's like, oh, I'll show you something to feel. No. It, just, <laughs> <laughs> it just... Could really be taken the wrong way. You would take it that way. <laughs> I would not take it that way. Oh, I didn't take it that way. Of course But you I did think it was just way too easy. Right. Yeah, I would have liked some more dialogue. Where's my dad? You're, now, you're, you're, yeah. not, you're taking me away from my dad? Yeah. I'm just a little girl. Exactly. I looks 20. It, <laughs> exactly. But, I mean, they wanted to wrap it up quick. And quite sure. frankly, I'm kind of glad they did because I really don't care about this kid. <laughs> let's, let's just move on and end. I, I've had right. enough. Four issues, I'm done. Right. But I agree with you from the standpoint that her reaction didn't seem to ring very true. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. okay. That's all I had to say. That's all I had to say. Cool. It's been said. All right. All right. So what's up next week, Ken? Well, let's see. I think what, we're going to do uh, some IDW. Right. I think we're going to do... Yeah. Um, so this is a natural breaking point before we start the next uh, Wildstorm series. True. Which true. is a next-gen, it looks like. It looks like it's... Oh, it's Star Trek? It's a combination of Star Trek and next-gen. Hmm. Okay. Which one is this? Uh, Star Trek All of Me, number one, plus Star Trek Next Generation Embrace the Wolf, number one. Right. So those must be biggies. Yeah, so those are... Yeah. So before we get to those miniseries, you want to do some yes. IDW? I would love to do some because I've got these books stacking up, which I have been wanting to read. So let's do it. All right. So next week we will do – will you pick it? What, what, which one are we going to do first? The City well, at the City, Edge of Forever or the other ones? Well, you know, we, City at the Edge of Forever we can do or we can do the next group of ongoings. We don't have enough of the Planet of the Apes yet to do an episode. Right. Uh, so it comes down to ongoing or City at the Edge of Forever, right? Right. Gosh, I'd like to get back to seeing, because we began the last story arc, which was Q Gambit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we haven't finished that one yet, 
But gosh, I sure would like to do on City of the Edge of Forever. Let, let, let's do the ongoing and wrap up the Q Gambit. All right. So we'll do uh, ongoing 39, 40, and 41. Okay. That sounds good. Cool. Cool. And then we can do City of the Edge of Forever. Right, which will be two episodes. So we won't get back to uh, Wildstorm for a few few more weeks. Right. And by then, I'm not sure how many issues are involved in the Planet of the Apes crossover, but who knows? Yeah, it'll be sooner than later. Yeah. So uh, we'll uh, close off and be back next week. Great. Thanks for joining us, everybody. On the review. Later. <laughs> later. Thank you for listening to Star Trek Comic Book Review. All Star Trek stories and characters are copyrighted CBS Studios Incorporated. All music stories and characters discussed are for entertainment purposes only. You can email us at startcomicbookreview at gmail.com. Visit us at our website, www.stcomicbookreview.com. Subscribe to us via iTunes. Or friend us on Facebook at first name, ST Comic, second name, book review. See you next time on Star Trek Comic Book Review. Let's get the hell out of here.